0: and welcome back to Tension of Opposites. How have you all been? It's been a minute. I know, I know. As you guys know, this is a one-woman show. When life happens in the meantime, work, exams, and so on, it's not as easy as just outsourcing it to someone. I know I'll get better as I go on, and I'm excited. I cannot wait until one-on-one conversations will become more frequent in the episode stream. As I told you guys in the beginning, the whole idea of this podcast is conversations with people who have had an impact on my life, an excuse to bring them around, an excuse to chat about things which are a bit more unconventional. And with the series, the different series that are going to be carried out, I want to be able to tell my story my way, but at the same time, I always wanted to be followed by one person that has had the biggest impact on me in that specific experience and is still a huge part of my life. I knew from the very beginning that this was going to be the first person that I wanted to interview. Because in a way, he is the reason why I'm able to express myself in this way. He's the first person with whom I started having these open discussions, these very long discussions. And I'm very grateful that we are still in contact after all these years, especially within the context of the year abroad. It's not always a given that you're going to keep a contact with your host family. Obviously, it would have been so much nicer to do it one-on-one in person, but this has been amazing nonetheless, and it reminded me why I love this format so much, and why I can always have an excuse (laughs) to force people into having conversations with me. So, without further ado, please welcome our first guest, my host dad. Here's Jason. So... Jason, welcome. How honored do you feel from one to 10 that you're the first guest? How do you feel about that?
1: Honestly, it's a 10. It's been a long time. And um, here we are, th- this many years later, and you've asked me to do it.
0: So I'd say it's a 10. I think I've told you in passing, oh, I want to start a podcast. But I've had this in my head for the past three years, and I knew that you were going to be the first one that I was going to interview. From the beginning. That's nice. Because because that's also something that I wanted to get into, the perception and how much it changed me. So I, I talked about four hours about my year abroad. Because then every time they say, How was your year abroad? Oh, you did nothing for a year must been amazing. And then all you can say is, yeah, it was pretty cool, but no one really wants to get into the details of it. So I think it's interesting to have the experience on the other side of the host family, because the thing that I realized when I had started the whole experience was that you guys had no clue of what you were doing in general, as in the terms and the responsibilities of taking in an exchange student just as much as we did. And I was thinking about it this week that it was so interesting because my sister now is 36 years old. And if I'm not mistaken, you were 36, 37 when you hosted me. She brought it up randomly because she was listening to the episodes and she was like, they were my age now when they took you in. And to think that now, so I'm imagining my sister taking in like a 16 year old. And to me, it just seems crazy. And you guys just just did it and it was a random thing. So for you, it wasn't planned. It wasn't something that you had looked into before. I haven't told the story as how you found me. I want to leave that to you. Um, so, so we started off that I had a host family. You had no idea. I guess, I don't know if you knew of any host families that had, had exchange students, of exchange students, had you met exchange students, nothing. You had no idea of the concept whatsoever.
1: A brief backstory to that.
0: Of course. So
1: actually months before this, I did bring up the subject to uh, my wife at the time.
0: Yeah, because you guys are separated since. I have not said that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: and that's, you know, only partially your fault. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm just oh, but uh, so um, I yeah. did bring it up
0: Yeah.
1: and um, it was shot down pretty quick. And uh,
0: how did it come in your mind, the idea of that?
1: Maybe it was on Facebook, because I think at the time, it was like really a new thing. I don't think too many people had done it prior, maybe one year before. Or maybe it was two years, but it wasn't a lot. Okay, so okay, I think okay. they had posted it on one of the groups. Hey, if you're interested, blah, 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 you know, in this. And I said something and she was like, no. And mm-hmm. so I let it go.
0: Yeah. And
1: then, you know, I had that stuff going on with my nephew and my brother. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's what I remember. I remember that you wanted to bring in your nephew. That was
1: all about the same time. The whole thing was circulating with my nephew. Mm -hmm. And right about that same time I saw an ad for it, shot it down. I would say it came up again a month and a half later. So some time had passed. And here it was a month and a half, maybe two months later. Mm -hmm. And there was another post, I believe, on Facebook that there were uh, um, two Exchange, exchange students. students,
0: yeah. So you got the ad at the normal time because they find families very, very late. That is a big problem. That they just get in a bunch of students, everyone pays, and then they're like, "Yes, we're going to set you into the family." And then they have to get to the point, which would be around, I think, I don't, know, June, July, where they realize, "Oh shit, we actually do not have enough families for the students that we took in." And then there's just a, a manhunt. I think there was also at a certain point that they would offer you two hundred and fifty dollars to find the family or to recommend the family so it was just a frenzy in that sense and then i had arrived in july and then you i think you saw it around august can you please tell what was (laughs) what kind of facebook group (laughs) it was on which the coordinator posted about these two exchange students looking for a family do you remember probably like a
1: rant and rave
0: page or something
1: (laughs) yes i'm sure that's what it was
0: yeah yeah you know I remember you saying like a Facebook exchange where they would exchange like broken dishwashers. That's or what it was. That's, that's yeah. I remember. What not exchange
1: calling. students. It was uh, <laughs> like, Oh, I'm selling my baby crib for 40 bucks. <laughs> it was actually my wife that seen it. And I think that us not doing what I wanted to do. I just mm-hmm. felt that need to, to do that, you know, with somebody, um, yeah. mainly my nephew, I think, but, I yeah. think it caused a little, not a rift, but it was there. It was like, you know, it was shot down. And I yeah. think she picked up on that. And so she said something, Hey, look at this and showed it to me. And she goes, you know, do you want to, do you want to give them a call? Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, yeah, let's do that. Because this is what I think as well, Elena, is that having lived in two different places with my mother mm-mm, and my father as a mm-mm. child, yeah, I learned, um, and, you know, this is not against any parent or anything like that. But one offered me more stability and security than the other. Mm-hmm. And if if I could do anything, I knew I could do that. Yeah. You know, I could offer a safe and secure, somewhat stable household to somebody. And really, hopefully, that alone was a, a foundation to their experience. And then, you know, if we were able to enrich it from there. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. But I knew I could provide at least some comfort and security to somebody.
0: Mm -mm. Do you feel comfortable sharing a bit of your backstory, like where you're from a little bit or what your family situation is? Well, I'm
1: fairly comfortable with about anything.
0: So you are from, originally from California. Yep. Your parents had separate, I don't know, I don't remember if they were actually properly. They were never
1: together. They
0: were never together, yeah. Oh, once. (laughs) So you have siblings a bit. Here and there, and you're all based in California mainly. And then when did you move to Arizona? I don't remember. 99. 99. I did not know that she had written on a Facebook group, that kind of Facebook group of all things. I think my mom would have been really disgusted by that. Yeah, it was kind of
1: weird. You know? Yeah.
0: And I remember feeling so bad because there was only one family that had expressed this interest. And you, you do remember the family of the German exchange student, maybe not. Anyways, they were from a girl that was in our school as well. And they had created like a profile where they said what they were looking for in their ideal student. And they were saying, we are very active. We like doing a lot of sports. We like doing this. We like playing soccer. And I just remember being there, just like sinking in my chair, like, I'm not going to get this family because I'm not an active person. I remember feeling so like shit. And then I had gone with my coordinator to see the house.
1: Yeah, I remember that. My house. Yeah,
0: yes, yes, yes. The first experience that me and the German girl had was quite traumatizing to begin mm-hmm. with, you know? We had also seen the house together afterwards. But I remember that when I was in that headspace, I was so overt. I, the German girl was already gone, Get ready seen our house, and I had gotten very materialistic. So given that the first experience was so rocky, I remember just looking at the house a lot. So when I got out of the house, I was like, okay, okay, drive driveway, okay, car, cool, cool, cool. We got into the room, I was like, okay. And I, I don't remember actually having a conversation with you guys. Like, I remember my head was in an entirely different headspace. I was just thinking, okay, this house actually has walls, there's an actual room that would be for me. My idea was a lot more into that.
1: My memory of that first meeting you, you were very much in, you were sc- in scope out mode. You walked in basically, and you were like,
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Room, okay, yes. and you were
1: like checking yes. everything out, which was, you know, now knowing what happened, you know, it's understandable. But that's ex- your head was I whipping was around. I was
0: not paying attention <laughs> at all, that the family was supposed to host me, one thousand percent. And I feel bad about yeah. that because I think. God, I didn't even give it that. But then on the other hand, I knew that I had no choice. Like I, I wouldn't have had a say. If she thought that you guys were good for me, I would have been in that family. So for me, the only, the only power that I had in agency would be like, okay, let me check right now if there's something that is not good, maybe with the room, something that I don't have to stay calling out later. And I didn't have a good relationship with her. And I remember that you were very talkative, but I do remember that the host mom was a bit more quiet. That's the extent of what I remember, like my, my head was all into there's an actual house, there's a couch, cool, the space is cool, good. Um, so that was pretty much it. And I think I got in pretty quickly after that. It was pretty quick. They wanted to get rid of me <laughs> very quickly. I was at the coordinator's house for two weeks.
1: Oh, that's right. You were there maybe a couple days or something, right? Or-
0: I definitely stayed two weeks, no longer in the family in the first one, but it felt like a month. And then there was this weird mid-period, because then the coordinator also had the Swedish exchange student come, and there was an overlap. Must have been, yeah, beginning of August, more or less. And I remember you picking me up. That's the first day, the first, first day. I don't know if you remember that. So you picked me up, also very awkward. I did not know you. We did not speak. Then we get into the car and I just remember you saying, yeah, my name is Jason. It was a very popular name in the seventies. <laughs> That's the first thing that you yeah. said. <laughs> I was still super shy and I spoke a little, little bit. And then you said, wow, your English is really good. I was like, well, yes. You thought obviously that my yeah. English would have been crap because I didn't speak. You did not know what I sounded like. I think mainly you and the coordinator spoke that first day. I did not say much.
1: Well, I didn't expect too much from you, your 15, 16, whatever, you know. But I think we had a beautiful, we had a great time that evening. I think we spoke and had, went outside and had
0: some mm-hmm, nice mm-hmm. conversations. No, I do remember that. I don't know how she sold it to you, in a sense. That's what I would be curious and understanding. Like, when, when you reached out to her and you'd be like, yes, we would be interested, what would this entail? Did she... Speak about, I don't know what the whole concept of the exchanger is of exchanging cultures, or did she just say there's a kid that needs a a roof and a place to stay? That's it.
1: I'm gonna be honest, I don't remember how that was presented to us. I remember, I think she had said some stuff that I was rather shocked by, like you don't have to, you know, they get their own food and they, yep,
0: yep, yep, they
1: uh, just all this other stuff. And I just thought it was Mm -hmm. kind of odd. That I would take in a child and then and then not treat them like one. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I'm like you're a teenager, it's different, but I'm saying not not just kind of put you into yeah. the fold, you know, because that was weird to me. It should um, be. I, I wanted to help take care of you a little bit, you know?
0: And that's not something that was expected. I do remember that. Like, with the first family, we had to buy our groceries and then me and the German girl got pissed because the kids were eating her stuff. <laughs> But it's true. uh, If you're, you're bringing someone in, it is awkward, especially I don't have any parental, any kind of representation. You're supposed to be my family. Then they romanticize this whole aspect of it's supposed to be the best moments of you guys' life. And it's going to be like, you're part of the family, you're part of the family, you're part of the family. And then I have to pay for my own groceries. Right. In my head, if that you don't have really the financial weird. possibility to take a student in, it wouldn't make sense to take a student in, then don't, then do, don't it. do it. So that's why I wanted to know like, if she yeah. ever kind of told you what the expectations were from a student. But I did kind of figure out that, yeah, there wasn't that much a thing.
1: Yeah, there wasn't a whole bunch, you know, I wasn't exactly vetted.
0: Yes, which is a very wrong thing, especially after the first experience. Yeah. So in your head, it was more about there's someone who needs a place to stay. We have the possibility to help out. Let's help her out.
1: Yeah, I wanted to provide a place to stay for uh, a child, uh, a young person.
0: Yeah. So then you pick me up that day. We have the long drive home. And then I remember, yes, that we go get, I think it was Subway, because what else was it if it wasn't Subway? We pass by Subway, we get sandwiches yeah, for dinner, and then we get into the, the house. And I remember you saying, I have a good feeling about this. And I said, yes, me too. And that was the beginning of our, of our yeah. thing. And that's when we started speaking the most, actually. When we we're at night before going to sleep, we would like watch something and then we would just be speaking in the backyard about stuff. And that's when we started talking. We talked mainly it was me and you in the beginning. So. I tried explaining, especially in the beginning, I didn't see that much of the host mom because remember, she was working, she was working long shifts, then when she came back, she had the baby. And also, I did not really understand if she was on board because as you said, I do remember you saying it even when I had just gotten there that she was the one that actually brought this thing back up. But then when I got into the family, I do remember thinking that I did not really know if I was included in that. At least this was my perception at the time. I felt like I was just a collateral that was just there, but there wasn't really an interest in, so tell us about you. Like there was no kind of trying to get to know me. And then the babies were babies. So yes, I mean, of course, the eldest was a bit more interested, but as much you were interested in a new toy, I did feel a bit mystical, like a toy in the beginning, that it was just this presence. I was like, oh, yeah, there's this person (laughs) from this other country. (laughs) Now she lives with us.
1: Well, there was a a novelty to it, you know, of course. It was new and you're a new person from another country. And especially for Matea, what was she? Probably eight. Yeah. Yeah. So...
0: So yeah. cute, yes. Yes. I kind of preferred that, though. Like, I do remember thinking, God, I really don't want to be in a family with people my age. Because what if I don't like them? Then it's going to be a problem. So for me, it turned out great. Yeah. Like, I was happy. Yeah. And I wanted a
1: big sister to someone. I wanted somebody that was doing something. Doing something good, like you were, for Matea. To be like, to model a bit, you know. She was already a good girl, don't get me wrong. But, you know, you fit all the molds that I was hoping mm-hmm. to get, to be honest with you. You were super independent. Like, you didn't need mm-hmm. me for anything other than, you know, the ride to school yeah. or, you know. But you weren't, like, rebelling either. So we would do things together. I could take you somewhere. I could cook for you. Whatever. You know, like, I thought you fit really
0: nice. No, me too. Yeah. I thought it was no, Many good. times I thought, my God, imagine if I had gotten into the other family and they were like, let's go play sports. Ah, no. <laughs> that would not work out for me.
1: We were like, what's on Netflix? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was mainly that. What's on Netflix tonight? What are we going to cook? What are we going to buy? Uh yeah. We also managed to develop a relationship because we spent so much time together. You would take us to school. You would pick us up. We would go grocery shopping. You had more flexible hours that allowed you to be more present into the house. Whereas yeah. she obviously had so much like really long shifts and it was crazy in the beginning. So I didn't see much of her as well. But I did notice that because that was the opposite of my family dynamic. Because at home, my dad was the one who was working and he was mainly away and I always spent time with my mom. So for me, that in the beginning was really weird because I was very grateful that with you, like we really kicked it off from the first day. From the first day, we just hit it off without any issues, so problems, nothing. And that's really lucky. But with her, her requirements where I needed to keep my things clean, I need to take care of my own things, I needed to do my job. And that's what I picked up in the beginning, and that's what I tried to do, mainly. Like, I remember this this first time that I cleaned really, really hard the bathroom, and she got in, and she was really impressed. I was like, yes, okay, now I know what I need to do. But I also, I was very much into the high school environment, so I cared until a certain extent. But I was very scared about what you were saying, the fact of having liberty or not. Because when we were at the coordinator's house... You remember that, you no? I had the picture that I showed you with the chores categorized by person. <laughs> I, I'm so sad that I lost that picture because we used to take it out at least once every six months <laughs> uh, and talk about that. I did not know what to expect from you guys, but you were yep. very smart in that sense. Well, tell me more about that. <laughs> in the sense that you just said, I don't know what I need to do with you. So let's just play it by the ear. Do what you need to do. If we have problems, then we'll tackle it one issue at a time. That was your thing. She's like, you do whatever you want to do. I couldn't really do much anyways. I didn't have a car. So still, I had to rely heavily on someone. But I do appreciate you seeing the independence of it. But then also, for me, it was a bit hard because we lived a bit far from school. So then I always felt uncomfortable and I tried to find people that could take me. Also professionally, you guys, then you had started studying. So you were taking on that as well. There was a lot of shifts in the, in the beginning. In that year. So you started off with this concept that you were trying to help out someone. Was there a moment where something clicked and you realized that maybe my expectations of the experience were different? Or also I'm curious, like, if you ever felt at a certain point that maybe this was not a good idea or was not the right fit or there was something that had to be shifted? Because obviously I can imagine in the first month, Months, we were all a bit more on guard. I was trying to be on best behavior. I imagine you guys were as well. So I don't know if there was any like one moment where you thought, okay, wow, there is actually a stranger in our home and at all times of the day for the good things and for the bad things as well.
1: Uh, honestly, I don't think I ever really had a time where I felt like you personally were a bad fit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think I really had a time where that I regretted uh, bringing somebody in other than. Uh, the school responsibility was, that was the hardest thing Mm -hmm. for me, making sure I was there to pick you up. Um, but I mean, that wasn't a regret. It was just, that was, that was my, my biggest responsibility. I felt like, like was getting you to and from (laughs) as far as that goes. But the answer is no, there was some issues with your host mother that came up Mm -hmm but that was going to happen no matter who it was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in fact, it could have been a lot worse. Mm -hmm. And I knew that. I hoped not for it to be that way. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't horrible, but I knew there would be issues. You put people together, whether they're family or not, Mm -hmm. you're going to have issues. They're going to come up. How do we handle those, you know, those situations? And can we adapt? And can we, you know, get along basically after those situations? And I think, I think we did. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't regret any of it. I thought about doing it again, Um, but we've talked about that Mm -hmm. and I guess I'm not. If I wasn't alone, I would probably do it again.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get that. That also has an impact on that for sure. Like for me, as much as a single mom or whatever kind of family situation, it doesn't depend on that. It depends on the quality of the person and their intentions behind it. It's normal that when you're from the outside, you're going to look more in the pristine, stable, quote-unquote stable, idea of what a family structure is. So for me, if there were obviously also options to be in even same-sex couples and single families. But from the outside, I had so much romanticized the idea of what my experience in the States was supposed to be. So this pristine, gigantic house with this white family and everything perfect. So already, like, my beginning was the one that it was. And after that, I was trying to get into mold. like, I can still pick this up. I can still pick this up. And I liked it, I enjoyed it, but there was always this sense, especially in the beginning, where there was something that wasn't working out and there was a bit of this tension. I don't know, I mean, it is a big decision to take someone in, so I don't know if she was actually convinced to have it in. I can imagine that if she wasn't convinced, then to have someone in, especially at a time where the baby was really a baby, might have been overwhelming. Maybe there was just like discomfort, as in we weren't getting along.
1: Not now, I'm probably better now. But yeah, I
0: know for sure. But at that time. No, no, she has, you know? no, there has been a big, but even in my, during my time spent there, there was a really, really big difference between the beginning and the end. But in the beginning, yes, already she wasn't that much physically in the house. When she was there, there would be some problems and very oftentimes you had to be kind of like the mediator between us. And explain what was actually going on because I didn't understand what was going on and then I didn't know how to communicate to her because I was too shy so then I would ask you. So that became a bit awkward. Then we get to the point where there's fall break and we get to do the trips and I was explaining when we went to Mexico that actually I was not supposed to go to Mexico. It was supposed to be your family trip that was organized prior and I was supposed to stay with the Swedish exchange students and the coordinator and then you had just started going to school and I don't know if there was like an overlap, it was a bit of a mess for you to go. And I ended up going, I mean, I ended up being asked by her, which was to be a very big deal. Because going from zero to, do you want to spend seven days 24-7 in another country and you meet my family? Like, to me, that was a really, really big deal. And I feel like after that, it really, it got better. Because as I explained, once we went down, the fact that she had to present me to her family... I see there was a different sense in pride that she was doing this thing, and she was feeling very happy, and they liked me, and I liked them, and I spoke Spanish, so that helped a lot as well. I think she saw it in a different perspective once there was the um, environment of the family outside. Maybe it's different value systems also.
1: Well, that is that I tend to click with people really fast, you know, Um, and she doesn't. And I actually think it draws her further out a little bit. Yes.
0: I do also understand why I also would feel very intimidated. I was very shy. So I was always surrounded by people a lot more extroverted than me. And that would make me just even smaller in comparison. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's not my intention of course, but I think if you guys would have been alone to begin with, it probably would have happened much faster. Mm. But then it's like, Oh, well, you know, she's getting so long, like it was a contest or something like she's getting along with Jason. Yeah. And it's like, and no, I'm not trying to, you know, I'd like us all three to be.
0: Yes. It did feel like that. That is true. It felt like it was a clear me preferring you over her. But in reality, I just never had an opportunity to bond with her. Yeah.
1: All right. Once that's in your brain, then it kind of makes it worse and harder and worse and harder. Mm-hmm. Until it's until a trip to Mexico is in order, you know, <laughs> and then it changes I mean, everything.
0: You got to do it at some point in your life. No, I mean, that is yeah, that is the usual right. protocol when you have these kind of issues. So no, but thank God for Mexico. That was beautiful.
1: Yeah, that was a good trip that worked out really well mm-hmm. for you guys, obviously.
0: Minimal effort on your side. You were in there. So that was, <laughs> that was good.
1: <laughs> All right. And that's probably what needed to <laughs> yes.
0: happen. Yes, that we needed to be the two of us. For sure. Yeah. And from zero to a hundred, literally, like we had to do a trip in the, oh, it was the most uncomfortable trip because then obviously there was like one car seat on one side, one car seat on the other side. Then she picked up her brother. I was sitting in the middle between the car seats <laughs> for 10 hours.
1: <laughs> oh my God. To get
0: there. But I adored it. I adored their family. It, it's a different system. It's a different mentality. But it was sometimes also a bit more unsettling because I was like, why do I get along with the family so well? And then I don't manage to get along with her. But then obviously with time, I got to understand a lot of other dynamics that obviously I did not know in the beginning. And immediately after that, we went to do the trip all together and we went to California. Do you remember? We went to see your sister and yeah. we went to Santa Monica Pier and then there was Brett Denning. in yeah. At sunset, I described it as yeah. the best day of my life. The school was a bit more complicated. You go from zero to 100. You go from having an eight-year-old to suddenly having a 16-year-old who's about to graduate to exams. I remember there was this time that I had to finish my senior paper the first semester. I did not know what a senior paper was, so I did not know what I had to do. There wasn't really a support system for host families, no? Everyone had their own. and that was. There the-
1: might have been like a Facebook page for it or something or yeah. a group. I think maybe there was a Facebook group, but it all seemed very lame and superficial. And didn't, I didn't want to be a part of that. Honest, you if know, I were I would, you, I
0: would have done exactly the same thing. So
1: Yeah. You know what? I got this girl here. Yeah. That's where we're going to focus on, not this Bye. shared experience, you mm-hmm. know, like we're going to just focus on you mm-hmm. and you were trouble free for me. You may have needed some. Some support system, but honestly, life throws things your way, uh, no matter who's in your life.
0: Yeah.
1: Ultimately, I look back and I don't remember any problems. I thought we had a good experience with. I thought we got a good kid, Mm -hmm. you know, out of the group there. Yeah. There was a couple that I met. I was like,
0: kind (laughs) of glad I didn't get that one. You know. I do know who you're referring to. Oh my god! Yes, yes, I do understand that.
1: No, you're perfect. You're like I don't know if I would say you're reserved.
0: I am. I wasn't bringing extra attention. I wasn't doing anything that was yeah. controversial, if you can say it that way. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was like, awesome. You know, I, I was super pleased.
0: I do understand where you're coming from in that sense. And the thing is that you did not see me how I was before. And then to me, I was always someone that was very shy, was very to myself. No one was really, at least from my perception, no one was really interested. And then I get there and out of nowhere like oh my god are you the new exchange student (laughs) and everyone wants to meet you wants to know you wants to hang out with you so to me i already felt like i was the coolest person but in reality i did not do shit like i was very very careful very respectful i didn't want to have any issues i was a goody goody like in hindsight i think back and i'm like i could have done some other stuff but they also had this thing where we were hearing about these exchange students that were sent home because they smoked weed or because they went to a party and the police went to that party i don't want to risk having any issues i
1: wouldn't have sent you home <laughs>
0: but it doesn't depend on you it depends on the program
1: really Oh,
0: wow. This wasn't even like urban legends. Like we knew these people that got sent home. So it depends on the circumstance. And then the police busts in for everything there. It's so annoying. Like if I knew that it was like more than X amount of people, I knew that the police was going to go. So then I said, okay, so I, can- I cannot do that. And then I felt very overwhelmed because our way of partying and going out is very normal and chill because we're around alcohol all the time. Rules are very loose. Instead, there. If you're getting drunk, you're getting wasted until you completely pass out.
1: Our relationship with alcohol is is very different.
0: Yeah, but it's because you have so much limitations. I don't know. Back in Europe, you can smoke from when you're 14. You can have a beer from when you're 14. You probably had always alcohol at the table as a present. And if you're around it all the time, you don't feel that I am doing something that is so prohibited.
1: Taboo. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I think it has the exact opposite. So I don't know why you guys do it. But anyways. There is this episode that I remember. I don't know if this clicked for you, but I had the impression that then then it clicked for you that it was more than just having a roof over my head and going to school, that it was a matter of being part of the experience and and understanding the American culture and all that nice stuff. So basically Halloween comes around. And I did not know what to do for Halloween, because I knew that it was an actual celebration over there but for us I mean we do celebrate it but you know there's a party and that's it and I was really excited like me and the other exchange student the one I was close with but she didn't go to my school so we were super excited because we wanted to get dressed up and we wanted to do something but then in reality no one was really doing something but I knew about the pumpkin carving pumpkin carving was a big thing so I was really looking forward to that and you said yeah yeah we do it every year we do it every year so I said okay for Halloween we're going to the pumpkin carving and then I remember that day I think you had said something like, we do it every year. It's a bit of a problem. We're just going to skip it this year. And I felt so bad because of that. I was so sad. I saw you seeing me really sad. And then I think to me, I think then you realized, okay, wait, okay, now it's, 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 it's a bit more of a big deal than that. Like it's not just a thing that she can catch next year because she's not going to be here next year.
1: Well, I can tell you what I was thinking (laughs) in that, um, you know, Halloween, at least to me, Mm -hmm. Uh, Halloween, the whole trick or treating thing is is to a certain age, right? So let's say it's ten. I don't know. Um, And the pumpkin carving thing is probably about that same time. Uh, Teenagers, generally speaking, will probably go to a party, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah.
1: You know, a friends party and and a costume party. Yeah. And so when we weren't doing it, you know, for Matea, for whatever reason that year, I don't remember what was going on. We didn't think that it would have any impact on you, you know, because you wouldn't that's not a cool thing but but it's not something you had experienced before and that's when i realized okay i I get it but at the time i was thinking you know she's more of the age to do this
0: and you're absolutely right because i remember me and my friend me like we want to dress up and we want to go trick-or-treating she already had a boyfriend at the time we were telling him and he was like what what do you want to do? <laughs> so then we ended yeah. up dressing up only me and her. And then we went to uh, to uh the movies. But it was so funny because for us, we thought that that's just something that everybody did. In Europe, it's this quirky thing that if you want to really celebrate Halloween, you do all these little things. We did not know that that wasn't the thing that the cool kids did. In fact, they all had like this huge, gigantic party. The police went to that party. Like I already knew that that was going right. to happen. So I didn't go.
1: Yeah. In hindsight, I should have took you trick-or-treating.
0: With Matea <laughs> just behind This was the first flag moment that you realized that maybe there was something a bit more different. And I I saw that you were changing a bit in attitude also for like the first big events. Like I had my first 18th birthday party and you started taking pictures and there was the first homecoming and all these little bits and pieces of parties there. Did it ever dawn on you there a different thing? Like, oh God, there's actually this kid. She's starting to do all these things or excitement on that part. Because I know for your daughter, like... I also mentioned it that I also felt a bit pressured in that sense because you were very adamant about that in the beginning. It was a lot of, I really want Matea to have a model, someone that she can, she can look up to, that she had, I think in your idea, a, a higher thing to, the like, higher ambition in that sense like something else to aim for outside of the context of the town that she lived in. I do understand where you were coming from, but I remember in the beginning I was a bit, I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. Six are high.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to do that. I know, I know, I know. But, Um, but as far as your, your first question, um, sometimes I would have to be reminded, you know, Mm -hmm. not like you would come up and remind me, but things would remind me Mm -hmm. is that, um, I have to be mindful of, of your experience to a certain extent. Um, uh, there could be, there could be a length of time where I'm just going through life and we're just, you know, providing food and, and whatever, you know, but yeah, I would have to be reminded sometimes, you know, like, um, that I want to try to give you the the best experience that we can on certain, on certain things. If that makes sense. Yes. So.
0: Yes. Yes. Was there ever maybe more pressure on your guys' side? Cause I know that we did a lot of trips and I was super grateful about that. We, I did a really a lot of trips when I was there. Was that something that you would normally do the road trips or was something that maybe you had scaled up a little bit to be able to spend time together? Because as you say, from-
1: Yeah, well, I think we yeah. scaled it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. On our day-to-day, you were either in school or you were working. Same thing for the host mom. Kids were at school. When we were together in the evening, it, there wasn't really that much a sense of let's share this meal together because everyone had different time frames. Which, to be honest, I really, I really enjoyed. To this day, my family, they always get irritated. It's like, don't you want to eat together? And to me, it's like, to me, it doesn't make a difference. It's a very, it's a very different way of interacting because for us, the meals are a very important moment to share together. Very important. You're supposed to want to be together. And for me, that experience also allowed me to be a lot more independent in that sense and do my own thing. That's when I got a bit more independent. Also, I went from zero to a hundred as for independence. So I was in a house where I was the youngest of five. I was sharing a room with my sister. Get there. (laughs) I have my own room. I'm the elder sister. I can go out and there wasn't really that much of where are you going? How are you going? How are you coming back? It was like, okay, bye. Have fun. (laughs) So I I really felt that that independence that really made a difference. Well, I felt like
1: and I think we talked about it. I felt like I should trust you until you gave me a reason not to. Mm-mm. I felt like uh, your parents wouldn't have sent you here
0: mm-hmm.
1: if they didn't trust you. So who am I to start clamping down on you? I
0: guess. I guess. Uh, if
1: your parents let you leave the country, <laughs> who am I to be like, where the hell are you going? On? You know what I mean? So, that
0: is actually a very fair point. Yeah.
1: If you know, if they let if they let you leave and trusted you to make good decisions and etc, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I felt like I should probably be doing the same. Don't give me a reason to change that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we'll be good. And and you never did.
0: Mm-hmm. But were you ever scared, given that I wasn't only okay, legally you were my responsibility for a variety of reasons, but I was this person. Like anything could have happened. I mentioned this, like you guys were always very conscious about the fact that I was someone else's daughter. You had always incredible respect for my parents, which I always appreciated because you're not just a kid, like you are someone else's daughter and you're really trying to do the best to be up to that expectation. But I don't know, I tried to put myself in your shoes or imagining my sister doing that. That is a lot of responsibility. Like when you're a teenager, anything can happen and you really don't understand how dangerous it is. Whatever you're getting into, how bad things
1: can go, like that. and
0: everyone is so young, yeah. and everyone is driving, and you know sometimes drinking and driving, and
1: yeah,
0: I don't, I would be scared to think about that. <laughs> I, don't know.
1: I well, I mean, it is scary. Who, nobody wants to have something happen to anybody, but yeah. um, I I did, I put a lot of trust in you. I think
0: mm-hmm. now you read um,
1: it. I think maybe, I mean, looking back, I think that. Uh, you know, maybe it's your accent. It sounds really super uh, uh, educated and sounds uh, like, shit, she probably knows better than I do. So uh, I just put a lot of trust in you and, and um, I don't know, I think it was, I think it was right. Yes. I, You know, you didn't seem like you were a crazy girl to me and um, I don't know, it just felt okay.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Was there a confrontation as to decisions in in that sense, also with the host mom and so on? If there were any specific decisions or mainly the stuff was dealt by you and then if she was there, she was made part of it? I never understood that. Because, I mean, mainly I talk to you about things. Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I go to this party, that party? Yeah. But would anything be like after her approval or injury I think I
1: pretty much took the helm. Uh-uh-uh. I think I pretty much took the helm on it. If she had something to say, she could address it. Mm-hmm. I don't think she generally did mm-hmm. that anything, especially anything outside the house, yeah. maybe inside. Uh, I can't remember anything being brought up specifically. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of loose. Uh, you know, I really am. With now Matea's hitting a certain age, she does good in school, she's a good kid, then I'm going to give her some room to do her thing a little bit to a certain extent. I mean, you know, I want to know where she's at, Mm -hmm. of course, but um, how I felt like I was handling you at the time was, you know, you're doing things right. So why wouldn't you be doing them right outside the home? Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it's actually accurate as an estimation. I I don't know either. I have no idea. But yes, I don't know what other frame of reference you could have. And then also, it was the first time that you were doing this. All the other host families was the first time that they were doing this. I just remember there was one of the host families that then they be- they became the coordinators afterwards. That I remember they were hosting for the second time afterwards. When I had come back for Thanksgiving, remember, I came to visit. And he was just telling me, had I known how hard it was, probably I wouldn't have done it. This was at the end of the first exchange experience. Right. And you know, they, they were two guys, they had other two guys. The environment yeah. seemed super chill. They could do whatever they wanted. Like it, it seemed very okay. But I remember just them feeling very overwhelmed and saying, I did not realize how much of a task it was going to be. Like I actually have to take care of this human for everything, yeah. for everything. I remember in the beginning, I was also sick all the time. I had like all the allergies <laughs> to go into the walking center all the time. That time that I almost went blind. Oh, wasn't that beautiful? <laughs> Jesus. what happened there what was that tell the story because i did not tell the story before so one of the beautiful byproducts of the first host family was this thing that i wore contact lenses and she told me and i was daily contact lenses and she told me no if you just buy the liquids that wants to keep them hydrated you can wear a daily contact lens for more than one day what the hell do I? i mean you know i'm 16 she's the authority i was like oh okay cool I can I can save on daily consequences. Neat. So I started doing long? it. Uh it would be at a certain point three, four oh days in a row. I yeah, three days max. Yep, 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 yep. Wow. And uh, and I think this was also after I moved out from there because this happened yeah. and, and you took me when I was already with you. Yeah. So so, I had this beautiful habit of sleeping with daily contact lenses for two, three days in a row, just keeping them hydrated. When I went to sleep in the morning, they would sting a little bit. And you know, with the beautiful 110 degree desert, that's not going to hurt your eyes. No, as if. And it started getting a bit more worse and worse and worse. And I remember then there was this specific day that my eyes were super, super sensitive. And I just remember the, uh, there was another exchange student at home. It was bothering me so much that I had to stay with my sunglasses in the house. That's what I remember. Was there sunglasses in the house? And then, where you took me... Oh, God. Yes, this was the worst part. So then I was feeling bad, and you took me to the walk-in center. So there are these places where you have to fill out a form, and they do, like, I think a general visit. I had insurance, but it was the worst insurance that they could have recommended. Travel insurance or something? Oh, God. Bad. Very bad. And so... (laughs) So I get in for the visit. She puts in this, like... Purple eye drop thingy inside your your eye to see what the situation is, and then after a bit, and I was in the room alone, you weren't there with me, you were waiting outside. After a bit, she just says, "Oh yeah, it seems like you have chickenpox. Chickenpox? Yeah. <laughs> in my eye. It's like yes, yes, you can have you can have strains of chickenpox in your eye. It's like, but I already had chickenpox, so I don't I don't understand. I never actually googled afterwards that that is actually a thing that you can have a strain of chickenpox in your eye.
1: I don't I've never that. heard of it.
0: I think that was total bullshit. But anyways, so I don't remember what happens afterwards because I get super nervous. I don't understand. And then she just, I I wish I could show me walking and pretending, but she just walks to the door and she just says, you should get that checked out. And then she opens the door and before she leaves, she says, you could go blind. And then she just closes the door. And I'm just like... (gasps) what? And I was crying. I had obviously taken out the contact lenses, but I remember that afterwards we went to the grocery store to pick up some drops. And I remember that I couldn't see anything. And I was like, I'm already going blind. And I forgot that I had actually taken out my contact lenses. I was so terrified, so terrified. And then afterwards, he had to take me to an actual doctor. And then we went and he said that I had scratched my cornea really bad and that I was risking a cornea transplant. I was not allowed to wear contact lenses anymore because the weather is so dry that that was making it so much worse. So then for the rest of the year, either I did not wear at all glasses and I just guessed what I was doing with my So
1: did you tell him there... Oh, well, I'm wearing them five days in a row.
0: I did tell him. No, no, no. I did. Tell so him.
1: then he was like, okay, that makes sense. That's what's happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. Sure, right. uh, no, I think I told him at this point. But then I also told him, an adult told me that I could do this. I mean, I d- would have never done that on my own. She told me this. And then my friend, she told me that her brother also used to do that. That he used to wear the monthly ones for more than a month. But she didn't to say they used to sleep with them. I then took it a step further and I actually slept with the contact lenses. Because I felt like God. I felt like, why do I need tight surgery? I can actually just wear contact lenses. And I can see like a normal person. I think to this day, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. But he told me, yes, it was a close call. You risk cornea transplant. You need to wear glasses for the rest of the year. You're not allowed to wear contact lenses. Which then I think I always did. I also wore them for my graduation, which I hated. Because I hated wearing glasses. Then when I went back home, actually, I did an eye visit and I told the whole story and he said, no, you didn't risk it. Obviously, that's not something you need to do, but you did not scratch it that bad. So I feel like Americans tend to always make it much bigger. And also the bill was very expensive to go to their guy. My God. Oh, that was, that was a nice reckoning with American health insurance. That was a horrible experience, yeah. and I had insurance, but still, I had to pay in full, and then ask for the stuff back, which took months to get back.
1: Okay, so we went past um, uh, Halloween. So the next big one would be Thanksgiving. Yes. Have you have you talked about that? Because I feel like Thanksgiving left an impression on you.
0: I adored it. I'm telling you, I took four hours. I pretty much I covered everything I had to cover on my side. Okay. So basically, when we got there, the coordinator showed us this chart of what our year abroad was supposed to look like, mood-wise. You arrive, and you have the honeymoon period where everything is amazing, everybody loves you, blah, 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 everything is perfect. And then you have the culture shock, where it's just like, plummet, full plummet. And then after the culture shock, there's a crisis. So culture shock is just that unsettling of, oh, I actually have to stay in this place for a year. And then the crisis is complete, ballistic. So the honeymoon period, I think for me, it's until fall break. That's how I categorize it. Fall break was perfection.
1: I thought we were still on it.
0: Don't get too ahead of yourself. There's been a lot of years in the meantime too. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But I mean, for me, the holidays were a very hard period. It was beautiful until Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, I had never witnessed it before. You had your mom come, your sister, there was a family sense to it, which I thought was really nice. And also, I love the fact that it was a holiday, but it wasn't a celebration of any one person, not even of Jesus. (laughs) So like, there was no presents that you had to give to each other. It was just like, let's eat till we cannot lift a finger and watch movies all day. To me, that was a dream of a holiday. I was very shocked because in my family and in general in the culture back home, you don't speak so openly about your feelings. Instead, in the States, everything is immediately, I love you, man. And then you did the let's take turns around the table to say what we're grateful for. And everyone was actually saying things. like If you were to propose that back at home, they would laugh in your face and be like, what are you talking about? So then when everybody did that, it was so nice and so wholesome to have such an open discussion and dialogue with even people that you don't know that much. And then it got to my turn, and then even you guys were saying, "So grateful to have Elena." I was like, "Ah, it is my favorite holiday." the The historical premises of it is quite shit, but 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 yeah, historical it. premises it, yeah. aside, the celebration of it is so. It's a, it's a get together without any other expectations around it. So I really, I really loved it. But for me, the holidays were really hard. Like Christmas was really bad, but it's normal. You know, with your family, things weren't, they were different. There was no religious uh, celebration around Christmas. So Christmas was basically only we're going to give gifts to each other, whereas in my family, it's a very Catholic family, it's all around having the Mass and the specific kind of things that you eat on specific kind of days because it is according to the tradition of it.
1: Yeah, we don't do that.
0: I actually, I think I also asked to go to Mass. I was happy that I didn't have to go to Mass anymore, but I had asked to go to Mass for Christmas because to me it felt very, very, it was unsettling that I had no rituals that I was used to for that experience but then in the end we didn't go because it was a bit of a hassle
1: I think I remember looking it yes, up for yes. you or something uh, but I don't remember what took place
0: I remember that you guys didn't want to go and that Matea was interested in going because she didn't know what she thought it was cool so it was like okay let's go together
1: I think I was like have Heidi take you exactly
0: exactly it. and then I think in the end nobody wanted to drive us because it was a midnight mass of all things so you were like no fine so that's how it yeah. went and luckily we did not go because we felt sick the next day. You didn't. No way. You did. We all felt sick the following day. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, uh, God. vaguely. We had a Christmas dinner. And then afterwards, I don't know what, what it was, but we got some sort of food poisoning. Me, you, Paul, Janice. <laughs> and we, yes, we really? all felt sick oh, not immediately. Like we opened presents in Christmas morning, but then the rest of the day we were sick, all of us. So to me, it wasn't a lovely memory, unfortunately, of that. My family had called me and I burst out crying. I was so sad. And they said that at that time it was a very delicate moment for your psyche also. Like, so they say your family cannot go visit you. You cannot go visit them because everything is so delicate that if something doesn't go, then you're, it, you're broken. Like then you want to go back home. So I was very conscious about that. A lot of things were happening at the same time. So I was feeling very uncomfortable about that. For me, the crisis starts more or less from when we put up the tree, specifically from when we put up the tree, because that day you guys had had a really, really big fight to the point that you guys had stormed out, both of you. You had went separate ways, I stayed home with the kids, and then you came back, and then you were like, okay, let's let's put a tree. And I was like, what the fuck? Huh? What? (laughs) What do you mean? Let's put up a tree. (laughs) Well, we probably talked over the phone and stuff. But you had, I think you had like stormed separate ways, and then you had... But you had done the whole confrontation on your own. So we did not know what had happened. And then you just came back and... To me, as I was saying, it seems like anything that was sold was sold with an action. So let's go out to dinner. Let's do this activity together. So for you, doing the tree was, okay, we move past it. Let's go on. But I didn't move past it because I didn't know what had happened. And it was a very big fight. And I remember that. So for me, my crisis started pretty much that day. I don't want to do it to make anyone feel guilty. But I just remember very specifically when these phases started. And to me, it started that day when I realized, oh, wow, I'm actually spending... Christmas here and I'm not gonna go back home. And that was, yeah, I until until my parents came. Until my parents came, I was pretty much in that groggy mood. I wasn't actually studying as well. So I was getting some B's and I think one C. And I thought, no, come on, this is not possible. This is the American system. I should have all the A's. And all the other ones were getting higher grades. And then when my parents came, I was in a very... You remember, I was so excited when my parents were supposed to come. How did you feel about that? About yeah. meeting the people who birthed this person <laughs> who now was in your house.
1: I was a little nervous to meet them, even though I'm an adult sometimes when I felt like I always felt like uh, like I'm the child or something, uh, especially mm-hmm. back then. But I was excited to meet them. I don't know. I wanted to come across that I, I was responsible or whatever. You know, I wanted to make a good mm-hmm. impression, I guess. I, mean, I was excited to meet them and take them places. And I figured you could probably use it. And they could. I know they yeah. needed it. You know what i mean like obviously they they came Mm -hmm. down for it
0: and we went to grand canyon together
1: went to the grand canyon
0: such a nice day
1: yeah
0: i remember my mom she was like everything is so big here we only stayed a few days and then we did our own trip and and i tell the story which to me marks the end of the crisis period you need to tell me the name of this person so when I went to Vegas with my mom and my dad, then I stayed with my mom and you arranged for someone to pick me up from Vegas and bring me down. I don't know if you remember, it was a woman. That's all I remember. And I remember that I was miserable. I never felt so broken and my mom was leaving me and I said, okay, it's it's over, it's over. They said that it would bake you or break you. For me, it's the end. It was the first time that I ever thought I actually want to go back home. The guy was so sad because it, it was such a short trip when they came. And I had already in my head the idea of what my movie moment was supposed to be. This person will drive me down. I will just look out the window and cry for an hour and a half. And in reality, then I meet this really wonderful lady that just very gently starts asking some questions. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I can understand. And we end up talking for the entire hour and a half. And so by the time I get back home, I was ready. I was like, okay, this is the second part. Is the second act. I'm ready to go. And it's all because of this person. It was one of those instances where you're like, oh, this this is what I like about Americans, that you can share these intimate moments, and it doesn't necessarily have to be this legitimacy around, I know you, you're a member of the family. Any two people can share this. I really am so grateful to this person, but I don't know who she is. So if you remember her, <laughs> please let her know that.
1: Wow. I don't—I can't remember, to be honest with you. That was a long time ago. And she, and she went to pick you up. Why couldn't I do it?
0: Because you're not a good person. <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I just found her. I met her randomly. Because <laughs>
0: you're a lousy father. <coughs> I don't know. I really don't know why you didn't pick me up. I guess you couldn't because either school or the kids or, you know. I think it was maybe one of your employees.
1: I'll find out. I'll ask her. This would
0: be very interesting. Because there's a whole extensive part where I speak only about this. So she would be pleased to know about that. So, yes, I don't even think I told you this. this. This encounter that happened. I think once I came in, I was like, okay, mode, mode on. We're going to power through. And and then the second part goes quite smoothly for February because nothing really happens. And it's actually a normal month in the life where nothing certainly happens. And then March filled with trips. And I mentioned, I don't know if you remember. So I started going on these trips with the Swedish exchange students and their family. And it was a time that I went to Phoenix and I ended up in the trunk of the car. I'm sure I told you this. It was an open trunk, but still <laughs> very unsafe. So I, I don't remember if I actually told you this or not because I didn't know what the repercussions of that would have been. But I
1: think I did. The trunk of a car.
0: Is this the active people? <laughs> no, no, no. It's another family.
1: Oh, I was like, geez, we're looking for active, flexible,
0: <laughs> fit in trunk
1: of cars kids. I mean, wow. Well, I mean. I don't know <laughs> so I don't good. I don't remember that. I mean, I think I'd be a little upset with it, but thank you
0: I think you I know that nothing happened after that, but I, I think I told you once I came back or maybe much. it could have, it could also be that I didn't tell you because it would have created problems. but basically, we had gone to Phoenix. It was me, the Swedish girl, her host mom, and two of her girlfriends. so it was a girl's weekend and we went to the mall and we needed two cars to fit six people. but in reality, they couldn't be bothered to drive the second car. So then the host one was like, okay, one of you get into the trunk. That's all she said. And then at that point, what do you do? You say no. Like, I don't know what to do. And I ended up driving in, in the trunk of this car for an hour on the highway. I was without a seat and a seatbelt. It was open. The girl, my God, she was so mortified. I felt so bad for her because it wasn't her fault. And then on the way back, she drove in the trunk of the car.
1: Wow. <laughs>
0: yeah. Maybe I did not tell you then. I don't know. Probably I didn't. Yeah, cause I didn't want to create any trouble.
1: I remember that trip though, cause I remember you went with a bunch yes, of women. <laughs>
0: with a bunch of women. Exactly. Same thing. Same thing I for that. San Diego, which was always in the same month. And so. you went to
1: San Diego too. I yeah. remember that.
0: That was a bit yeah. better. Also because, yeah, it was, it was still a road trip, but it was less people. Cause you had a seatbelt. <laughs> seat and I had a seat. Um, but yeah. yes, this was pretty much what had happened. And, uh, also, it was the first time that I was seeing other families. And I was thinking, my family is good. <laughs> I don't have to drive in the trunk of the car with them. So,
1: yeah, I would not do if that this to is anybody. The
0: standard of what it is. No, that was so bad. I felt so bad, especially for her. But, you know, anything could have happened. It wasn't just for a, I don't know, 20 minute drive. Okay, you can do it. But I don't even know you. That was really, really bad. But then we got to do our trips as well. And we did the trip that was only us. It was me, you, and the girls. And we went to California yeah. and I got to meet all your family at the point. Got to meet your brother, yeah. got to meet your sister, mom, dad. Were they curious? What did they think of me? Because, I mean, I think I just remember seeing them very for a very short amount of time.
1: I remember they, they adored you. I mean, I know my dad and Doris, you know, we wouldn't tell them that went really well. Denise loved you.
0: I loved her as well, a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, as far as like Kim and, and the, the people there, there's often so much going on. In their lives, and chaos is what I'm talking about, yes. unfortunately. When things like that are going on in your life, you're generally not seeing something that positive, like, oh, yeah, no, she's great, as opposed to being really a genuine uh, connection to something that was good. I, I don't know if I'm really kind of saying that I right. One but-
0: of the things that really stayed with me the most, I was very fortunate that I got to see both of your families, both on the host mom side and on your side. But with you specifically, given that your family was so, you know, like your mom had remarried more times and your dad had remarried as well. You have siblings, but they're all like half siblings. It did strike me how much you felt very stable in that sense. And you had the strong value of trying to keep that stability also in the family and what you were trying to bring on to the girls as well. Because you would imagine that from that kind of background, that kind of situation can really break you. And you really tried to get out of that situation, but never forgetting them. And that's something that both of you did. You had this real ability of always reaching out when there was someone who needed help. Many times it happened that someone had to stay over for a while, they needed someone who had to babysit someone else, house flooding in someone's house and they stayed over. I remember it many times. There was either a family member or a friend that stayed over. And that's something that maybe... Back home for us, it's something that we do say, Oh, if you need anything, please let us know. But no one would really ever do it out of pride. Like if you really have an issue, you would do it with someone that you're close with. Instead, there I really felt, or at least that's the, the thing that you passed on to me, the experience that I had, that you would be really willing to help whoever, whenever there was a situation. If you could give a hand, you would. And that's always something that I admired of you guys. It was never something that was going to put in question. Like, someone needs help. Okay, don't no. Someone needs to stay over. They're going to stay over. Period. So that's beautiful.
1: That's how I feel. You know, somebody hungry, mm. you feed them. Someone needs a roof, you can give it to them. I mean, you know, you're not going to let people just live off you. But uh, I'm willing, certainly willing to try to give somebody a leg up or, or temporary stay or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah.
0: Is this something that was passed on from your background or in spite of your background?
1: No, I think my mother, um, when you don't have a lot, it's easier to share it
0: Mm -mm
1: -mm. and you're with other people that don't have a lot. And so, you know, you kind of build when you're poor, you build these communities together with people that, you you know, in order to survive. And I say that Mm -hmm. loosely survive, but you know, in order to be comfortable, you share with what you have because those same people do it for Mm -hmm. you, I think. And I think, um, you know, I think that's probably where I got that. When you're poor, you come over, you got to go to your neighbor's house. We're baking a cake, but can I borrow a cup mm-hmm. of sugar? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we need sugar. We need mm-hmm. flour. I need a cup. You got any eggs? And you, you're like, yes, I have them today because you may have them tomorrow.
0: Okay.
1: And, um, and that's just kind of how you do that when you, when you well, don't you have a lot. Did you do more
0: with your mom or with your dad when you were growing up?
1: I did both. But Early on, it was more my mom. So, you know, she would give the shirt off of Mm -hmm. her back, you know, and most of my family's like that. I'm not saying my dad or Doris Mm -hmm. wouldn't, but you know, the mentality there is, and I got some of that as well, is, um, you know, you really have to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. first and it's true. You know what I mean? Like you have to be number one and then you can help out Mm -hmm. other people. Um, whereas when you're, when you don't have nothing, it's nothing to share. It doesn't take much. It's just kind of a mentality.
0: I do think that we reason in that other sense instead that we need to take care of ourselves first. But I think also culturally for us, you would feel also too embarrassed to even ask. So you wouldn't. So the idea is if you need anything, please let me know. There's a lot of courtesy of how you need to present yourself or what the appearance is. But then in reality, you would be such an inconvenience if you actually were to ask if you actually needed help that nobody really does it. And if they have to do it, it's always, you know, like with the tail between their legs, you know, it's a different experience for sure. So there was like a strong sense of community from where you we were from. Yeah. But do you think that like, you wanted to move away from that because you also wanted to remove yourself from that kind of environment? Like, do you wish that you lived closer to your family? You're not that far, but you know what I mean. It's still quite far long enough. drive to get to them.
1: Yeah. I don't go yeah. very often. So I had to move. I was, um, wasn't doing mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, headed towards a lot of trouble, probably. And my sister, who I was staying with, Kim, and this is the exact same mentality. We share that mentality. Uh, But unfortunately, I think that Kim was doing it to a point of detriment to herself. Yeah. Until finally she said, Jason, you got to go. Hey, and you got to go. And you got to go. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me was when she said, you got to go. And then, so I had to go take off and do, and do something. But yeah, see, she has that same mentality. We just kind of grew up like that. But sometimes that becomes very dysfunctional. You know what I mean? Uh, You can't take care of somebody and somebody shouldn't be taken care of Mm -hmm. all the time. You know, it's it's unhealthy for Mm -hmm. both. But if you could take those things in, in chunks, you know, and apply them to certain situations, I think it's appropriate. Uh, Anyways, I was kicked out, had to go somewhere, wound up in Arizona. I had an uncle here who told my mom, there's lots of jobs and he's talking about the casinos at the time, sure. send them out here. And so that's what happened.
0: You ever think about going back?
1: No. I know a lot of people here. I've established myself fairly well here. Why work another five years somewhere else trying to meet all the great people that I know? Mm-mm-mm. And do that all remember, over though,
0: when I was there, there was a moment where you were thinking about going to Phoenix, though. I do remember that, that you kind of wanted to level up.
1: I think that somebody was offering me a yeah, job. Yeah, Is that right? Yeah. Somebody was offering me a job. I think my friend was talking about an opportunity there mm-hmm. for me. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've considered moving, but I've never seriously, seriously... Super considered it.
0: I remember you talking about the town being like, ah, this is a place where people move. And they say, okay, I'm going to just stay here for one, two years so I can stabilize. And then they just end up living there for the rest of their lives.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's a, it's a place where people start their careers. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's cheap. So like if you're a teacher, chances are you go to a place like this and you put in your three years. So now you've got experience and you start looking for places that are looking for teachers with experience now you know, and whoever that may be. Well, now you've got that experience, you've done it three or four years, and uh, you can move out. So whatever that is, teacher or whatever the mm-hmm. career is, this is a place where you can start your career as a mm-hmm. young person, and then, you know, get the experience you need, and then you take off to mm-hmm. where you want to go. But if you meet somebody and have a family and start putting down roots, it gets difficult to leave. Mm-hmm. And that. Yeah. You go.
0: Do you feel like there is a sense of community that can be growing in that place as much as this one? Because I mean, it's relatively a very young town. So you, there isn't that much history around it like there is in general in West of the States, especially compared to Europe. For for us, everything is like, oh, you guys are babies. Everything is new. And you guys are moving out, moving around a lot. That's part of the culture. Like every time we would go to the school, sometimes they would mistake me for just another regular student because in general, everyone is always moving around again and again and again. It's hard when you have to always move places to actually put down roots, as you were saying.
1: Yeah, I grew up like that. We moved mm-hmm. around a lot. And what you're seeing probably, aside from people moving because of jobs and stuff like that, what you're probably seeing is, is families that are kind of dysfunctional and um, are having problems staying in the places that they are because they're maybe alcoholics and they're getting kicked out or they're not making, they're losing their jobs so and they got to start over somewhere. Uh, and that tends to make people kind of bounce around a little bit because you can't really you're not stable enough to, to survive in one place for very long without effing mm-hmm. that up. Uh, and that's kind of loosely what, what, what childhood was like. I, I don't want to saying that about my mom per se, but she was, we were moving around a lot. We would, you know, we would, um, Oh, you know, she'd meet somebody and um, put a lot of trust and hope in them. And uh, so here we go. We're moving in with them. And they they're going across the country. They're not crossing. It was always up and down California, and we'd follow them because because um, she was in love and thought that this this was going to be the one that took care of us like a dad, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so it was just a lot of dysfunction. We we did a lot of moving around because of it. So when I hear about people doing that, I generally tend to think it's because they're they're unable to function for a very long time in one place without effing it up.
0: I get that. This is something that I wanted to bring up towards the end, which I, I promise is gonna be soon. But this was actually a realization that came with doing the series. Exactly that. The concept of blind trust. That is something that I don't see back home. Blind trust in the good and in the bad, as you're saying. So when I was there, the thing that really resonated with me, that really brought out this personality in me, because I wasn't like this when I got there. I was really, really, really shy. Was the fact that people just believed in me for no reason. Like, they had literally no reason to believe in me. Especially given that my position in society was just a young teenager. I was... No, Nobody, at least in my concept, that's what it was. And then you get there and people are interested in knowing your story. They don't really care what your background is. It's always, I believe in you, you can do this, or very open conversations and demonstrations of affection and something. You could really meet some person one day and you would just kick it off completely and become the best of friends. But then at the same time, super unsettling. Then the day after, they pretend that they'd never even met you. Everything is so... Um, flaky, like everything is just you you can feel it and you can feel it slipping away from your hands. And I never understood this contradiction of terms. So whereas the idea is we believe in this country, we believe in this dream, we believe in these ideas, we're gonna help each other. at the same time, to me, it feels like everyone is a bit a lost soul, given that there aren't roots. My idea of this is that we come, or at least I come from a place that even if it is unstable for me or for my identity, I know where I come from, I know where my roots are, and that brings a lot of stability in where you're going because you know where you're coming from. Whereas when you are in a place where you're, as you're saying, all the time moving around, you don't know who you can rely on, you don't know what you can do and what you can trust. But then that is also maybe the reason why people always feel that they want to put that blind trust into anything that is new and that is exciting and that can bring them that change. I never managed to understand that, but I never realized that, to me, the core of it is this blind faith in the good and in the bad. This is my perception from outside. I'm curious to see if, if any kind of thought like that ever passed, given that this is your actual experience. You've always lived in the States.
1: Yeah, this is, it's too normal of, for me to say, to have a different perspective. I mean, being kind and open, and uh, even if it's phony, which it sometimes is yeah. with people, it's American, you know? Yes, <laughs> You know, walking by and smiling at people as you walk and, how you doing? Yeah. Good morning, yeah. good afternoon. Tipping your hat to them or whatever it may be. That's not normal everywhere else. You know, I've been in enough no, other countries to know I'm the weird guy smiling at people.
0: Do you really tip your hat? <laughs> do, you, do you tip your hat to someone?
1: I've never tipped, I don't wear a hat. But if I did, I'd be fucking tipping <laughs> yes, it. Yes,
0: you would. You're a thousand percent would.
1: I would, ma'am. <laughs> how you doing? Um, but... Yeah. I'm the weird guy in other countries. I'm I'm clearly the American. Mm -hmm. I'm loud. I'm not a, I don't feel like I'm obnoxious or anything. I try to be super respectful, but I talk a little loud and I'm, you know, as I'm walking by, I'm smiling. I'm acknowledging people, (laughs) you know, know, like I'm that guy and, uh, and I'm the only one doing it. And I'm like, Oh, that's just me. Huh? Yeah, Yeah. You know? I don't know about Europe so much, but the other countries that I've been to... No,
0: 1,000%. There's a lot of mistrust. Then there's there's trust more in the hospitality. But once, if someone comes in, he's not just a random person. Someone that came through a friend of a friend of a friend. But it's a very close circle. So that's what I'm saying. To me, it seems phony in that sense. That we have disappeared. There's this great idea of hospitality and what we cook and what we make. The imagery of what that is supposed to be. But then in reality, nobody really trusts anyone or no one would dare to really be like, listen, I need help. You don't know me, but help me. So there's there's a good and bad things, But for me, it was very unsettling. Because on the one hand, I had this huge amount of support for no reason. And I wanted to interview you first because you brought that out to me. You were someone who actually sat down every night, wanted to know what I had to say, wanted to listen, encouraged me to speak, encouraged me to express myself. And this is also the reason why English is the language in which I feel more comfortable to express my feelings. If I have to do it in my other language, I'm like, "Mm, I I can, but it just doesn't feel natural because I was never taught that. And it's not a lack of education from my parents. It's just the culture does not encourage you to be open of your feelings. Then I go to this house and used to go around the rooms, tell everyone that I love them. Like You remember, used to do that, like at least once every two, three months. And to me, not hearing that said, it's a very different environment. And then there, on the other hand, then you never know if they actually mean it. You never know if the connection is really true. You have these fleeting moments. That's why the freedom concept is so big for the States, because that is the only thing that you guys really have. You really have the freedom to do everything from the dumbest shit. So this is my perception from what I've managed to live. And this is also why I don't think that I could live there again. We've talked about this before. I miss it so much right now. I will do a road trip tomorrow because you can do it in a way that here you cannot do it. The idea that you can go on the straight road and you don't have to necessarily meet anyone for miles and then you go in these random towns in the middle of nowhere and people will be nice to you. They will want to meet you. But at the same time, everything is just so fleeting. Everything is so unreliable. I feel like I need more anchor stability that I don't think I could get there even though you told me many times don't base your idea of what the states are on the town that you lived in but in general culturally many things are similar i mean i've met many americans since and it's just the the cultural way that you guys interact with each other is there's not that much responsibility and then if you get offended it's like why are you so sensitive and i'm very sensitive so (laughs) so that doesn't work out that doesn't work out well and that is why (laughs) i'm not coming back but i do miss it i do miss it a lot you're coming back to get vaccinated for sure you you, you got it right you're, you're feeling good
1: i got it i, I came back yeah. from my trip walked in
0: <laughs>
1: bang boom no, I'm ding not kidding. me and my I'm friend want there. to
0: come me and my friend want to come i think come. in august and and i want to get a tattoo I, I know i said it last time as well and i didn't but we do both here bing bang that would be really cool. So sorry, I got lost on the timeline and all of this, because we're basically at the at the end of it for your sake. There's prom. There's graduation. I mean, prom you must have had a bit of a oh shit kind of moment.
1: Well, not that. Um I don't know, I got a little emotional when I I remember taking your yes, picture.
0: See, I, I I say it. You guys were so obnoxious that day. Cause you went from being the cool chill dad friend that allowed me to do everything. And then March, basically we saw very little of each other because I also started feeling very guilty about that because I went on a lot of trips in March, like four, then I went to Hawaii. Yeah, so it was I all of like, oh yeah, she's leaving again. Like it's it's kind of like I was very detached from you guys that month and I felt very bad about that. But then prom, there was this guy that was interested in me and we had that ride again to the grocery store as usual. And I said, I don't know. I know that he's going to invite me, but I feel embarrassed because I found out that like at school they they had kind of like labeled him as the goofy guy. So I got like immediately nervous. I was like, I don't know. What what is it gonna do for my reputation and i remember you saying like listen it's something that you want to do with a guy like it's an experience that you want to have with a date and then he picks me up and he was a bit late and you were like i'm gonna tell him this is not good. <laughs> you totally got into this like dad of movies mode that you wanted to do like the talk when you came and stuff like that and you guys were taking so many pictures that you posted all over facebook i remember that
1: yeah, they come up as memories <laughs> sometimes, and I repost it.
0: When it comes up, let me know. I don't know. How did you feel about that? I was excited for
1: you. I was a little, I remember being a little, a little emotional about it. I don't, right now, I can't pinpoint exactly why, but I think I was excited for you because at some point, I remember thinking, I remember you telling me that your high school experience, and I'm not talking about the home, but the high school experience was going pretty well, I thought, right? And uh, you know, I know you got the Letterman jacket, like it was very American. And so was this prom. And so I remember thinking, and maybe this is a little, uh, a little cocky or not cocky. Maybe it's a little—I don't know what the word is—but I remember being happy uh, at prom because I was like, you know, what? I'm super pleased that she's getting this, and here I am helping. Uh you know, like I was able to help you get this experience. I remember thinking something yes. like that. I remember being a little emotional about it. I was pleased.
0: You really get a kick out of helping each other about interacting with other people. That's just how you are character-wise. You you thrive off of that, off of social interactions and stuff. I do yeah. understand that. Oh, so many things that were happening all at once, and then there was the last day of school, and then there was graduation. But to me, graduation I I felt that it felt more important to you guys than it did to me. Like when I saw it in the context of actual families with their kids, we didn't really give a shit. Like, okay, yeah, we you have to walk, fine. We're going to get a party afterwards. But the parents, everyone was so proud and they had to take the picture. Sometimes they were the first people graduating in the family. And I saw a lot of pride in your guys' eyes.
1: Yeah, that is a moment for, I think, Americans is, um, depending on where you are, you know, in in what part of the country, what part of the social class that you're in. But high school, that's the start of stuff. You know, that's Mm -hmm. a big deal. We're happy when our kids graduate high school and move on to bigger and better things. It means a lot. It means they're, it's not just high school. It's they're 18 or will be. They're moving on. They're moving out. They're growing up. It's a bittersweet thing. And so I think graduation represents Mm -hmm. all of that. You know, it's like the beginning of the end, so to speak. Of being oh, at responsibilities. home.
0: responsibilities. Fuck yes. Boop, boop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then I think for you, we realized it was it was coming to an end.
0: It sneaks up on you, doesn't it? Because in the beginning, you're like, oh, yeah, th- we have so does. much time. Yeah. It's going to be fine. And then after Christmas, yeah. it goes really. Then
1: she takes four <laughs> trips and we don't ever see her.
0: It's true, though. I really, I mean, that month, I was really, really bad. Because then you guys never really said, but I think like towards the end, you were kind of, are you going to be here for dinner?
1: <laughs> well, we didn't want to stop you from going mm-hmm. places, you know, like we didn't, wa- didn't want to hold you back.
0: I do see that it was a bit annoying because I wasn't physically even in the house for most, for March. Mainly, no, I mean, luckily we had the trip. So I think like we kind of like managed to compensate a little bit in that sense. But that month I was really never there and I was feeling super guilty because I was missing also school. And then some kids were told, were telling me if you miss too many days of school, you cannot graduate. And I did not know that. So it was a very crazy month in that sense. But you also gave me a lot of advice when it comes to friendships. Like in the beginning, I really went out with everyone because I had so much stimuli of people that wanted to be friends with me. So all the time I was going out and and I was, this this person and that person and that person. And then you at a certain point, you told me, okay, you need to kind of level it down and find your group of people, because I was in a very people-pleasing mode, so I wanted to say yes to everything that was coming in my way, because it never happened to me that so many people wanted to be with me, I wanted to go out, and and yeah, you gave me some solid advice when it came to like friendships and stuff like that. I feel like June was the best month, because I didn't have school, you guys were at home, and we actually got to do things together, but I also go- was going out with my friends, and there was a lot more balance. I feel like, ironically, the best month there was the month where I did not have high school. June was from mid, mid May to mid June was absolute bliss. I did mention, I don't know if you remember my last day that your mom was there. <laughs> I had to, yep. I had to. I need, I, you know how honest I am. So I had to say that there was a little bit of a diplomatic incident that day. Because that's so funny, because you guys weren't even at home. So there was a whole mess of me going to my friend's house.
1: Yeah. The stumbling block that day. But Luckily, we were able to flatten that out.
0: I was just so pissed because I was like, okay, you can be bad at me, but I'm going tomorrow. Could you have kept it to yourself for one day? I would have left and you would never see me again.
1: I know. I remember. Listen, that just, just takes one little thing and it happens. Mm. It just happens.
0: But where do you find the strength to kind of like then go go on with it like nothing has happened? I'm not speaking about your mom specifically. This happens a lot in the good things and the bad things. You guys are always there for each other. You guys are always going to stick for each other. I know many families and many best up situations where someone would just be like, listen, for my energy and for my sake and for my family, I need to detach myself from you. And I need to remove myself and... I need to keep my distance. Whereas you guys, at least you specifically, you always left the door open if someone needed to come, if there was someone who needed help. But where do you find the mental strength for that if maybe you don't get, I'm not going to say reward because it sounds bad, but in the short term, it doesn't seem well worth it.
1: Uh, Because I'm a long-term thinker (laughs) sometimes and um, I've heard too many stories. Like it's always amazed me to hear Uh, As a child or as a teenager or even a young man, hear somebody say, I haven't spoken to my sister in 15 years. We don't talk. And I would think to myself, I couldn't imagine anything, anything. I mean, there is a few things. But for the most part, that I wouldn't speak to somebody in my family that I love so much for 15 years and not be willing to reconcile. Uh, And I don't want to be like that. I don't want that to happen to me or anybody in my family. So what do we really have? We got to take care of ourselves. And I do agree with that. If something is crazy toxic, then you got to do that. But if it's a squabble or somebody's, you know, these are minor things that happen, I can forgive people. People are people. People make mistakes. People will always make those mistakes, probably. And um, at the end of the day, you know, me being close to somebody or having them love me and me, lo- that relationship's important to me, I guess, at the end of the day,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know. I don't want to not like anybody for 10 years.
0: I don't know. I think I have too much pride. It depends on the situation, but sometimes I would think that I would have too much pride to want to be the first person, the bigger person, the one who tries to mediate, the one who tries to come and help. So, bravo.
1: And I have no pride. <laughs> no. no, I'm just joking. I have lots of pride, but uh, not in that sense, though. Um, you know, I take pride in that I can um, put those defenses down or. Or whatever, and and put them mm-hmm. to the side. I take pride in that. So, um, not everybody can do it or is willing to do it, and I am most of the time. I can get upset for things very shortly, and you know, and just realize at the end of the day, it really means mm-hmm. nothing, and get over it. I can get over stuff pretty quick.
0: Do you feel like having an external person that was there for like specific moments with other family, like? This fight or meeting your family or knowing certain situations in your family background, in the mom's family background, do you think that changed the perception on things in a sense? Or there was never a discomfort in being that open and that vulnerable with someone that you didn't know?
1: No, no. Anytime that there's somebody external, especially in a family setting, especially in a dysfunctional family setting or whatever, you're always hyper aware of that. And, you know, it can make things in a different way, you know, or maybe in a more realistic way where you, but uh, so, yeah, no, I think that that happens anytime there's an outsider. So it's not an outsider, but an outside person to that, to that dynamic mm-hmm. that's going on. And if you are self-aware or whatever, then you're aware of that. So yes, the answer is yes, is that I'm aware of that. And it kind of makes things more come to light. But at the same time, when you love people, you just you just go with that flow and and hope that uh the other people see what you see in them
0: i appreciate the fact that you never at least this was my perception that you never thought that i was going to judge there was trust that was given by both you and the mom of this is the situations that we have cuz also she had her background but it was never a, i i need to keep this yeah. a secret from you cuz something might happen and it was always a trust of in some way or another, you would understand because I could have even not understood. I was 16. I was very privileged. I've never seen different families with different social situations, family situations. So for me, it could have been a shock. But for some reason, it never was. Because even when we went to Mexico, I saw certain aspects of certain parts of the family that I had never seen before. But I think that's maybe what made me who I am today as well, that I was accustomed to those things. I am very grateful that I got to see those parts as well. Not all the blitz and the glamour. For me, it was, especially in the beginning, was the opposite of that. But that's why, to me, it's important to talk about even the bad parts, especially about the bad parts, because then the idea is romanticized of, oh, you had a year, you did nothing. It was a year of your life, that's it. I cannot express how much this year changed me. And I think the family was the first one that saw how much it opened me up and it forced me to take responsibility for some things. I couldn't just hide behind the fact that I was young and I was 16. Like, sometimes I would screw up and I had to say, listen, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't do that right. And that's it. Because in the beginning, I was trying to preserve this image that I was creating of myself. And um that doesn't last long. Did you realize that I was actually going to leave when I left? Because I feel like nobody really did. I remember Matea had to come with us to the airport and she didn't want to because she wanted to go to her friend to go to the pool. And I felt so bad about that. It was so sad. Oh. Uh, and we just ended up going the two of us. I know she didn't realize what was going on, of course. But um we ended up going only the two of us to the airport. Like, do you realize that that was like the last? Because that's a long drive to get to the airport. Well, I mean. And say goodbye.
1: I knew you were leaving. but It, it, did, it did kind of sneak up on you. Uh, and I don't remember what was going on. I felt like I had a couple, something going on. I don't remember what, though.
0: I don't remember anyone being particularly present. I
1: felt distracted, and I can't remember what was going on.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Me too, but I don't remember for yeah, what. Yeah, I don't remember
1: for what either. I'll be honest with you, that kind of came up on us all of a sudden. It seemed like, you know, I'm leaving in three days or two days or whatever. It's like, fuck, I guess so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I remember, I don't remember what it was, but I remember feeling disconnected but i look back on the experience very fondly i'm pretty pleased on how it all worked out i think overall it wasn't perfect but i think you are too because you know you keep coming back
0: <laughs> <laughs> we must have something, something must right. have been okay things changed a lot but i mean it must have hit you guys like that i was actually not there I wanted to, I wanted the baby girl to to remember me. I was so scared that she was going to forget me. I'm pretty sure that she did, to be honest, for a year or so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But now she refers to you as her sister. It's funny.
0: Yeah. It's hard to keep in contact because they're still both relatively so young. And, and Matea's on social media that I don't even use. Yeah. I can't reach out to her. It's like, sorry, only by iMessage. It's like, Matea, I live in another, I live in another continent. You know how expensive that would be to actually text you? Now, your daughter is my age when I was there. wow,
1: That's crazy.
0: It's crazy. Seeing it in that perspective, do you think, like, do you realize some things that maybe you would have done differently with me?
1: You know what? Maybe maybe I would have kept a tighter grip on you a little (laughs) bit uh, when I think about it that way. I tell you what, though, looking back, I don't see you and her as the same right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's mature, she's smart, but it's still different uh, for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why that, that is. Maybe it's because, you know, to me, she's always going to be a baby. Or maybe it's, there's a difference in the levels of uh, the personality or her maturity. I don't know. But I, I, I'll tell you what, I mean, I don't know. i kind of seen you as you came across like you got your shit together. Pretty good. You knew what you want. It felt like you had some expectations. You knew how you wanted things to go. You can say that twice. So yeah. that's what it, uh, you know. Like you weren't taking no bullshit from the other people. Um, mm. I felt pretty good. I was like, man, yeah, she. You know, I feel like she's she's okay. You know, um, but when you put it in that, mm-hmm. what you just said, uh, yeah, man, that's kind of crazy. Mm. You know. <laughs>
0: You will be asking a couple of questions more. Like, Where are yeah, you going? Maybe. Where are you going back? Yeah, what are you doing?
1: Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I had a lot of, I just put a, I put a lot of trust out there. I think it worked out. And, yes. and uh, maybe another student wouldn't have done as well, you know, as you did.
0: Maybe. Maybe. You know, so. Yeah. Maybe it was just the chemistry that works out well. And I'm not sure. To me, this is also like a very formal way of saying thank you. This happened in a very random way. The idea of what hosting an exchange student was very different for what it actually was. But we still managed to balance it out in a way that... that- you know, everyone Everyone was happy at the end of it. We didn't have to necessarily do all things together all the time. Even the fact that it wasn't family moments together. It's just like, no, we want to dedicate the time that we have together on family trips, on going out to dinner. Things that were more mindful and present in that specific yeah. moment. More practical, which is the way that I still operate now. But I don't know. To me, like, it was very important for me to ask you first because I, I hold you accountable for creating this person that is asking you these questions right now.
1: Oh, well, that's very nice.
0: It's true. It's true. I did I did not talk and I did not express myself. I think I had all this person inside of me always, but there was no one that actually re-encouraged me and was like, okay, you know, what do you have to say? What do you have to think? Cool, you have to do this thing. You have this thing to look forward to. And the experience abroad was the only thing where I was really determined and I had never been determined in my life as much as I had for this experience. But the fact that there was someone that put so much trust into me from everything because you from the get-go you were like you're good to go bye <laughs> that's really that really had an impact on me I don't know if this is bad parenting <laughs> maybe it was a bit no I'm kidding I'm kidding but you know it felt um, right
1: and it worked out
0: it felt right it's really really felt <laughs> right and I'm so I'm so grateful that I ended up in a family that I did I don't think that in other families it would have worked out in the same way I don't know who knows if after that it was all luck I always ask myself if I hadn't ended up in the first host family, I would have probably been entirely in a different state, in a different country. Those are things that make you think maybe I would have had a much more pristine experience, but maybe wouldn't have left that idea in, in my head and wouldn't have shaped me the way that it has now.
1: Yeah, you got your hands dirty a little bit over here, and uh, you know, and I think yeah. it's I think it's always good. I think it builds mm-hmm. character. I think it gives you perspective, uh, and I think clearly it's done that for you. Yeah, I saw you adjusting to things. I saw you see things for the first time. And you expressed that too. Like I'd never been around that before. Yes. I watched that happen to you more than once, a couple times. Yes. But, you know, I think that shapes who we are and how we see things.
0: And I'm very grateful that it happened in this circumstance and that we're still talking. I know that a lot of exchange students don't have a relationship with their families. We don't speak Super much because we're both, we're not very good at getting in touch with each other. That's just how we are characterized. I I mean, I'm
1: like that with my parents, so I'm sorry.
0: No, 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 me too. I'm exactly the same person. Who knows if it's because of you? Who knows if maybe you had parenting that, you know, this is part of this parent compared to another parent? Who knows? But it's many years later and... We're doing this now. And I think this is super cool and super special. And my idea was to go to the States a third time to actually interview you. You were going to be my opener to the whole podcast. It had to happen in this circumstance, but I'm very glad that it did. And it was well worth it. So thank you so much.
1: Elena, thank you. Thank you very much. I know I've said it already, but I'll say it again. You were an absolute gem to have uh, with us. And uh, we couldn't have asked for it to go any better. You're always welcome in my home, certainly. Always, anytime. Call me, I'll come running. Straight to the airport. Uh,
0: Sydney, <laughs> Sydney, Sydney. I wish I could put songs on this thing, but yeah. You'll figure yeah, that out. The rights are too expensive, so we'll yeah. find a way. But anyways, I will let you go because I told you. I told you that we had to block out three hours and you didn't believe me. And look yeah. what happened. So <laughs> thank you so much for being the first guest on Attention of <laughs> And we will speak soon. I hope you enjoyed being I part did of this, absolutely. And I hope it does not go to shit. The quality of the audio. <laughs> <Bye-bye>. <laughs> bye
1: bye. Bye.